0: It's Wednesday, June 23rd, and you've got Oz in your ears. This is uh, David Osman. I'm um, on the road for Radio
1: Free Oz here in Gay Paris. And um, beside the runway, here at the celebrated salon of the notoriously controversial haute couture designer
0: Yves Saint uh, Bonjour, Yves. Welcome to my salon, David. Uh, we have just a moment before the showing starts for my latest collection, Toxique.
1: Toxique, huh? Well, Yves, you're probably best known for your squid <laughs> agony boots. <Not> you, <laughs> you introduced them at your first salon back then in uh, 1980, right? Well, I have them here
0: in the case, the, the prototype of the agony boot. Oh, that's the look of the 80s, the cowboy styling. The fashion of President Reagan. He may have been brain-dead, but the man knew how to wear that cowboy look. Uh-huh, and this exotic leather. Polar bear hides, the stripes of the komodo dragon. Uh-huh, and this a uh, very high loose uh, lucite with the flashing lights. Well, the beautiful lights were made by the agony of the squid, uh-huh. who emits the electric pain every time the wear steps on the heel, compressing this little petite. Mollusk. Oh, wow. And, but you had to take him off the market. Peter brought me down. Uh, I told them that the squid has a happy life saving the heel of the Reagan boot, but they put a picket line in front of my door. What What could I do? Well,
1: I, I see the show is about to begin here. Uh, the audience is very excited. You can tell me uh, what are we going to see today in your show? Toxic. Uh-huh. Presents
0: disaster fashions. Uh-huh. As you know, I normally design for the humans, but with the crisis in the Gulf, I, I have turned my attention to closing. for for the aquatic victims of this man-made tragedy. Oh, oh so dommage! <laughs> it is for Isan's Stool to make it right for the poor animal, nest oh, well, pas? Oh, here, here comes your first model. The exotic beauty Giselle showing my fabulous oil-repellent pelican briefs made from the freshly recycled wild bird feathers, a form fitting, as you see, for the natural look of nature in the raw. Oh, that's timely, timely, Eve. And here comes your model, Raffaella. Ooh. She is wearing my dolphin slick up. Everyone knows the dolphin doesn't look so good coated in oil, so I have designed the tight-fitting sailor costume of oil-free oil cloth with a self-sealing flap for the blowhole. Oh, uh-huh. aha. <laughs> that's
1: very, very thoughtful. Okay, now this next model look she looks? Yeah?
0: Showing the the turtle shell by shell. Turtles and models can all live forever with this tropical car piece of million-year-old ivory hand-carved by froggy island boys. Oh,
1: it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh, this must be the finale. It's about the bridal costume. see that...
0: for the first time, I show the bride in bed. Oh. The pollution-free happy oyster bed. I begin with a mattress of clean sand covered with the 700-count hazmat on the bottom, uh-huh. then spill repellent cover-up linens, uh-huh. the fluffy pillows and duvet boom are stuffed with clippings from famous Hollywood poodles and gaga wigs. Oh. And finally, the cream wash sham sham for complete protection in the season of the hurricane.
1: Well, well, uh, uh, that sounds like a, a thrill. But the bride herself, can you describe her outfit?
0: Of course, uh-huh. Mani's, the money is dressed as a prototype of the jumper jail suit. In Florida, orange with stripes of Bayou Blue. Oh, it looks pretty rugged. It has to be. I'm making it for the president of BP, Tony Hayward. You <laughs> will have to wear it a long, long
1: time. Well, everybody seems very enthusiastic about that. Congratulations on your non-toxic showing. Yves Saint Stool, for Radio Free Oz. This is David Osmond in Paris. Au revoir!
0: you got stimulating Radio Free Oz in your ears on RadioFreeOz.com. I'm your host, Peter Bergman, our co-host, David Oz. Hey, I'm over here sitting on the whoopee cushion. Oh, I tell you, it's it's a time, Dave. Uh, ladies, you know, I think you're proving to the world that you just don't need that extra zutz. The first pill designed to boost the female sex drive mm-hmm. failed. to make It a se- failed. Failed to make a significant impact oh, on libido golly, in not one day, but two. <laughs> yeah. Not only two studies, but Federal health regulator said this. Remember, we're being regulated out of our minds. Yeah. Though some women did report slightly more sexually satisfying experiences. Uh-huh. Slightly more. Slightly. I know how, girls how like how that. How was it for you, baby? <laughs> yeah. Slightly better. Slightly bit. better. My ego. <laughs> That's oh. all I need to hear. The Food and Drug Administration is considering Boringer Ingelheims. This is a, a German concern. Uh, mm-hmm. Their drug, Filbaserin. For premenopausal women who report a lack of sexual desire, and it's a market that drug makers have been targeting for more than a decade since Viagra sure, got, you know, got, sure. got, got, got such a stiff, you know, uh, reception. The search for so-called female Viagra has proved elusive, though, with many drugs abandoned after showing lackluster results. And uh, just, I guess, women just, as you said, don't need that extra zuts or uts or push or whatever. Another chapter in No Good Deed, or No Even Relatively Good Deed Goes Unpunished. It seems BP, right, is ponying up $20 billion for Gulf Spill Oil Damages, and this is an escrow account where nobody can touch it, and it's going to get paid, and quite a few Republicans don't like it one bit, and I wonder Why? The Obama administration and BP seem to have come to a solution on paying for damages from the Deepwater Horizon oil spill with a $20 billion escrow account to pay out damages to claimants. And since everything that a president does will get attacked by opponents, some Republicans have come out strongly against it, with a sum total of charges being that it will turn into a political slush fund—this is an escrow account—that it, has been procured through dirty Chicago thug tactics, and it will be paid out to ACORN. The, the Acorn Nut Brigade. That's, of course, Rush Limbaugh. You know, whenever he starts to, his ears start to ring because of the Oxycontin flashbacks or whenever he has nightmares of sending his mate out to pimp for his drugs, he just gets on the air and says, Acorn, and everybody forgets about it. Representative Michelle Bachman. Oh, she... She's the Buffon wingnut. Vigorously attacked the idea. She said the president just called for creating a fund that would be administered by outsiders. What does she mean by? Yes, of course it's going to be administered by outsiders. You want it administered by insiders, which would be more of a redistribution of wealth fund. Well, that's true. If you've got a very wealthy corporation called BP that has screwed a lot of people who are going bankrupt and have to give them some money, I suppose that's a redistribution of wealth. Michelle, get a brain. Uh, She also also added that uh, BP should say, we're not going to be chumps and we're not going to be fleeced. Oh, they're being chumped and fleeced. That's just the beginning, BP. Now, the Republican Study Committee, which is almost an oxymoron, uh, it's a group of conservative House members, released a statement bashing the fund and seeming to criticize BP for accepting it. The group's chairman, Representative Tom Price of Georgia, said, BP's reported willingness to go along with the White House's new fund suggests that the Obama administration is hard at work exerting its brand of, get this, Chicago-style shakedown politics so Barack Obama is now a Chicago shakedown thug of course he's got Rahm Emanuel the nine-fingered ex-ballet dancer who is tough tough meaning he isn't allowing himself to be cowed by the real thugs the fascist NOPers. NO peers no 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 this 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 get tough by the Democrats turns him into a shakedown artist we, the shakedown, we've been shook down by the, the drilling industry from get-go, so it's time that we start shaking back.
1: Well, Pete, I I know there's probably more news on the tea bagger front
0: out there at the at the weird, really curious fringe. Well, curious, dangerous fringe, I have to say. Uh-oh. I didn't used to think so. I thought no. they were just, you know, <laughs> from another space, but they're not. Sort of they're... like like those blow up toys you you see at the circus that you can punch and you some know, of them are but... about to blow up. One Uh-oh. of them is Sharon Angle, right? Okay. She's running against Sharon Harry Reed because she beat the woman who said you should trade chickens. For healthcare, which brought her down entirely, even though she was like a, a former TV anchor and a babe. And then we got this Sharon Angle, who, by the way, uh, went and spent some time in Washington with uh, Republican senators. And they said, she'll be ready for the press in six weeks. This is the Sarah Palin factor, okay? They ain't failing <laughs> She'll like be Palin. ready for the presidency in, in eight. <laughs> in, and in eight, right. Yes, just we're learning to just like, you know, we're, we're manicuring her finger for the button. Okay. There you Sharon go. Sharon Angle, right? Yes. In an interview in January, so this is her recent thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Angle appeared to float the possibility of armed insurrection if this Congress keeps going the way it is. Now, what? Bothers me is not the call to armed insurrection because it is a democracy and we're based on revolution and you can run down the street calling for it and that's that's protected speech. Yeah, right?
1: just don't try to start one because Jake or Beaver and his cohorts are there to stop it. Clint. Yeah, no,
0: nothing can stop them from from even improperly stopping you. For sure, a while. of course. Yeah, but what, right. what really bothers me is what she said, and I think this is the mantra, or at least the meta mantra, of the tea bag dips if this congress keeps going the way it is that's nothing uh-huh. that's everything that's just this vague foreboding it's got it's turning it's turning normal governance into what Cha- Che Maoist Stalinism, as far as they're keeps concerned, keeps going the way it's going. Well, that means
1: uh, the way trust, it is. Go, no, the, the way, way it, it the way is. it is. They're, they're the
0: not me. The way it is. They're responsible for my angst and abuse and and the fact that it, things just aren't as. Fun as they used to be. All right. The interview, she, she gave yep. it to a right-wing talk show host, right? Okay. And she approvingly quoted Thomas Jefferson saying it's good for a country to have a revolution every 20 years. She forgot, of course, that Texas has made Thomas <laughs> Jefferson irrelevant by taking him out of the, the, the textbooks, textbooks. Yeah. and replacing him with, I think, an equal mind, Phyllis Schlafly. Okay. <laughs> And she said, now here's what she said, yeah. Thomas Jefferson, good for revolution. She said that if yeah. Congress keeps it up, keeps it up. Keeps it up. Keeps it up. Keeps going the way it is. Uh-huh. These people are brainless. Uh, people may find themselves resorting to Second Amendment remedies. Second Amendment, Amendment remedies. remedies. Remember the sign, you know, with yeah. guns? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. What's oh, more? that. The talk show host said... It's invasive, but I get it. Yeah. The talk show host said there was no doubt she was floating the possibility of armed insurrection as a valid response if Congress continues along its current course. What does that mean? Well, that means they aren't... Well, seriously...
1: (laughs) <laughs> seriously it has something to do with the, the the rush toward a socialist state that is what the the wingnuts seem to see in the future by providing health care for everybody
0: no they're right but it's going to take a lot longer. <laughs> See, they're going to be long gone, but they're right. That The tip has been made. Not that I'm like a huge pro-socialist. The fact is that government, which is people, is needed in larger units to solve certain things that are larger than individuals. That isn't like, you know, uh, uh, Paul Pot you know, meets Che. This is just what's happening in a larger, more complicated world. I think it's people who have a,
1: a bird's eye view, as it were, of the country. I mean, there's, there's more statistics going on now than there ever has been. Every day there's another group of statistics that send the stock market into Berserkerdom, you know, in either direction. Yeah, it doesn't
0: matter anymore. Sell, buy, long, short. Who cares? Well, Greek bonds are junk. Ah, but they were dejunked by the unjunk people who adjunctly sent in the money to rejunkify them. Well, I'm going to buy. I'm going to sell, and what? they're both right, and they both lose.
1: There you go, and always will. Hey, listen, if you think the law is is is, is weird, the Arizona law, okay, since we're talking at the edge of we said sanity not. here, let's not. talk Arizona. Okay, lawmakers have turned, of course, uh, um, racial profiling into official policy. Okay, here's here's a few of the other laws they've passed recently. Um, uh, 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 Let's see, wait a minute. This is from Harper's, and here it is. One bill, another new law, bans the funding of any ethnic studies programs in the public schools. A third prohibits intentionally or knowingly creating a human-animal
0: hybrid. That's always something that concerns me when I tool through the, the Phoenix suburbs. Somebody in one of those tract homes
1: is hybridizing animals. Animals and humans. Lawmakers declared February 8th the Boy Scout holiday. They took time out to discount fishing license fees for Eagle Scouts and approved a constitutional right to hunt. This is all going I, on in the Arizona I legislature. I wonder if they have
0: a constitutional right for Boy Scouts to hunt homosexuals in the Arizona, since there are no homosexuals officially in the Boy Scouts, certainly not the ones that are leading them, right? Certainly not. They're all working for the Catholic Church or Cardinal Mahoney or, or some other charitable, you know, zero-sum organization. Okay, to
1: to to drop another teabag into the already... Dip on. Brewing stew here. In January, Senator Jack Harper, an immaculately combed zealot... <laughs> I'm quoting the the, the Harper's editor. Uh, An immaculately combed zealot who speaks in the patter of an infomercial voiceover submitted a bill that would allow faculty members to carry guns on university campuses, saying it was, quoting, one very small step in trying to eliminate gun-free zones— where there's absolutely no one who could defend themselves if a terrorist incident
0: happened. Like Kent State, right? you right. If the National Guard came and decided to start shooting at you, you wouldn't have your 357 Ruger, you know, alligator grip, double-chambered, you know, well, are so ready to take Senator somebody Jack, out. Doesn't matter who.
1: Senator Harper's gonna have it. Okay, the House passed this is Arizona. The House passed a measure that would force President Obama to show his birth certificate the, to state officials if he runs for reelection.
0: This is Mercer Berther. Okay. Right? Arizona, uh, uh, the, he's a Hinfill
1: <laughs> hyena. As well as a bill that bars Arizona from entering into any program to regulate greenhouse gases without approval from the legislature. There are only two ways to vote on this, said Representative Ray Barnes. <laughs> yes. He was named
0: after the barn, by the way. Yeah. We're going to call it what? Ray. Ray Barnes. Ray that Barnes.
1: That works. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Or face the East in the morning
0: and worship the EPA,
1: because they own
0: you. Pentagon investigators are trying to determine the whereabouts of the Australian-born founder of the secretive website WikiLeaks, for fear that he may be about to publish a huge cache of classified State Department cables that, if made public, could do serious damage to national security, government officials say. And this according to the blog The Daily Beast, one of my favorites. The officials acknowledge that even if they found the website founder, his name is Julius Assange, it is not clear what they could do to block publication of the cables on WikiLeaks, which is normally based on a server in Sweden and bills itself as a champion of whistleblowers. American officials said Pentagon investigators are convinced that Assange is in possession of at least some classified State Department cables leaked by a 22-year-old Army intelligence specialist Bradley Manning of Potomac, Maryland, who is now in custody in Kuwait. I would not like to be in his shoes or in his non-shoed feet. And given the contents of the cables, the feds have good reason to be concerned. Manning, while posted in Iraq, apparently had special access to cables prepared by diplomats and State Department officials throughout the Middle East regarding the workings of Arab governments and their leaders, according to an American diplomat. Oh, my, my, Hillary Clinton, eat your heart out. The cables, which date back over several years, went out over interagency computer networks available to the Army and contained information related to American diplomatic and intelligence efforts in the war zones in Afghanistan and Iraq. Oh, my. Last week, Assange was scheduled to join famed Pentagon Papers leaker Daniel Ellsberg for a talk in New York – But instead, Assange appeared via Skype from Australia saying lawyers recommended he not go back to the United States. He was in the States recently when he gave press interviews to promote the website's release of an explosive 2007 video of the American helicopter attack in Baghdad that left 12 dead, including two employees of the Reuters news agency. We used uh, the audio on that for one of our first collages on Daily Oz. Well, there's more. It's getting hotter and stickier. WikiLeaks is preparing to release a new video, this time showing the notorious U.S. airstrike on the village of Garani in May 2009 that killed roughly 140 civilians. While the U.S. has disputed the Afghan government's casualty figures, it put the number at only 20 to 30 civilians, only 20 to 30, it's probably 140, and said that twice as many militants had been killed in the strike. Oh, that's good. Two militants for one civilian. Now there's an algebra I like. A military investigation concluded that U.S. personnel made significant errors during the attacks. The Guarani airstrike is believed to be one of the deadliest attacks in terms of civilian casualties since the U.S. invasion. American officials were unwilling to say what would happen if Assange is tracked down, although they suggested they would have many more legal options available to them if he was still somewhere in the United States. But to protect the site from attack by intelligence agencies, Assange has placed WikiLeaks on several Internet servers, making it all but impossible for any government to shut down the site. This is good. This is good, good, good. This is open komona, international relations. We're hiding everything behind national security. Our only national security is openness and doing no harm. Okay, Dave, you and I take Arizona on all the time because it is wing nut central. But you don't have to be in Arizona to be a true American wing nut. No. No. Iowa is just, is hometown. Representative Steve, right? Steve, okay. The Alvin Green of Iowa King. This is according to Jason Lincolns in the Huff, right? He's a Republican in Iowa, is back to extol the the virtues of racial profiling, right, which Arizona has put in the news Mm -hmm. and is is basically Mm -hmm. it's the center. You want to learn racial profiling, you go down to Arizona. So, So long, he says, he's in for racial profiling as we're talking about law enforcement rounding up the Browns. Okay. Now, I don't. Does that mean Latinos or you know, doesn't mean your neighbors? You know, it's everybody. Everybody lives no, next no, no, door no, no. to the Browns.
1: Uh, the Browns. No, uh, I believe that the census says, uh, are you? Uh, you know, there's white and not Just- white and then He's, there's but Latinos are considered to be white. White. So there's no browns. brown. No, there's, I guess an
0: African American could be considered brown, but that isn't what he means. He's talking about Hispanics. Right. Yeah. Because there aren't a lot of African American undocumented people in the United States. They've all, you know, they were all long ago enslaved. That was a form of giving them their ticket. Well, it they took, have their ticket. They just like I do. Thrice. We all got our ticket. I think we had to get
1: it in one of the amendments though.
0: Well, yeah, maybe. So it all went down in a speech recently in the House of Representatives. See these state's House of Representatives. We should be hanging out there because there's some great stuff going down. In which King defended the new Arizona immigration law in his oration. King said that racial profiling is okay as long as it isn't being used in a discriminatory Discriminatory <laughs> fashion. That <laughs> racial profiling is okay as long as it's not being used in a discriminatory fashion. Uh, and, I'd like to congratulate <laughs> you, sir, for
1: your excellent uh, uh, use of language. And uh, <laughs> he's, he's two places at once.
0: This guy is hanging That's out in both directions sense. on the Mobius strip. Yes, he seems to be a wee bit confused on the concept of racial profiling. Says Jason, <laughs> and uh, goes on to say that, uh, well. He is a little upset, uh, but he, he thinks that, that if you go on and suggest that law enforcement officials are only making use of common sense indicators, then people will accept racial profiling, because that's all it is. One of these common sense indicators, footwear, and that was the more common sense on the common sense indicators. They got the most, actually, apparently, cops can use their sixth sense also no, not to see dead people, but to single out illegal immigrants. So by, footwear by- and intuition. By their shoes? By their shoes, by their footwear. I guess he thinks that all undocumented people wear harachis. Because of us, it's morning in America. Breakfast, honey?
1: Thanks. Hey, is this real pork? Because of us, people in the Great Plains are just plain doing things. Little things, like taking money from machines. Hey, hey, stop, kid. I'm not a machine. <laughs> because of us they're roasting east coast marshmallows on the west coast wow these taste like pork we're the people of u.s plus guess what we do chemistry transportation
0: pork (laughs) kind of u.s plus we own the idea of america Okay, wingnuts in Arizona, wingnuts in Iowa, wingnuts in South Carolina. Why am I not surprised? Not surprised about Charles. And these are all these are all state politicians. This one happens to be a senator. The last couple have been like representatives. It doesn't matter. They're the same bozos and bozoettes. Republican why does it always say Republican first? What is this all about? Wingnuts nuts are not exclusive to the Republican. No, they party. are Come not. On, they just seem to dominate. They have better press. Republican South Carolina State Senator Jack Knotts is a redneck. He's proud of it. And he plans to stay in the state legislature even though his party wants him to resign. If all of us rednecks leave the Republican Party, and I'm not gonna do a South Carolina. Don't accent, do it. Yeah. The party would have one hell of a void. Knotts said on the South Carolina Senate floor uh, recently, I am proud to be stereotyped a redneck. goes on. The Lexington County GOP passed a resolution. This is Kentucky. You know, this is where Rand Paul, the man who certified himself, is running. The Lexington County GOP passed a resolution earlier this week demanding Knotts resign after he called President Barack Obama and State Senator Nikki Haley, the leading contender for the Republican nomination for governor, ragheads. Okay. Oh. Yeah, he's a redneck calling other people ragheads, but it's okay because Whoa. he said, "I'm not going to resign under mm-hmm. any circumstance." There'd be a hell of a void, right? That uh, is yeah, out, Hell of a void. He said, repeating his refusal to offer his resignation. You know, I got it. He apologized again, sort of. I love the way the Republicans <laughs> apologize. Yeah, it, and you know the language that they've used to,
1: for whatever it is they're apologizing for, is just as as weird and dense and un. Unthinking as the apology is.
0: That guy Barton, or whatever, who, who, who apologized to BP and then didn't apologize, then apologized for apologizing, saying it was misconstrued and he apologized for the misconstruction or construction. It's not him, it's everybody else. Okay, here's what he says. He apologized. I deeply regret the remarks that I said and have already apologized before anyone asked me to. He said, I'm sorry, my disgusting remarks have offended some people. In these days and times, anything you say can fan <laughs> people so he's he, he's cops to the fact some voice within inside some lesser angel says these are disgusting remarks but he's proud of it because you know when he goes and plays you know golf with the other bozos hey yeah right, yeah, 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 right. yeah the ragheads here on the third
1: well it's it's the south carolina i mean oh. south carolina is is um, uh, there are a lot of swell people down there and I had a great weekend but hey it's it has really not gotten out of the confederate era down there and no wonder there are, are all republicans who because that's all there are
0: now remember there was a couple of years ago there was that whole thing Christians come to South Carolina stories about yes I'm a christian in Oregon but you know me and my family are going to South Carolina where we can have a whole christian state Well, that may
1: be the balkanization of the United States is you've got a Christian state, a Mormon state, a, uh, you know, a Buddhist state. Uh, It it would just fracture
0: along religious lines. And uh, what would would Thomas Jefferson say? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Thomas Jefferson has nothing to say. You're going to have to talk to Phyllis Schlafly.
2: Sweet Charlene McGray, she was pretty as a posy in the springtime. Lady dye she would twirl around all day, get dizzy and she'd fall down in a haze. Lady dye and the country breeze passed slowly as I went to her. Not upon her solid wooden door But her father he just looked at me And said leave her all call the law So I cut her paw in half with a chainsaw Lighty it Light it up Light she always had a way of giving all the neighbor boys sensations. Lighty light, they would close their eyes and pray that their Christian God would lead them from temptation. Lighty light, but if mama didn't want that girl to grow up and end up with a heathen like myself Though well, she always tried to tell Charlene about my little flaws So I cut her ma in half with a chainsaw Light-a-dai, Lighty day it dai Lighty day a dai light Charlene McGray, She's all mine There's nothing to divide us Like yeah. In a sunny day in May It was time to ask That girl to be my bride Like yeah. So I got down On knee and took her Finger And I said to her Charlene will you be mine she just kept complaining that I killed her mom and paw. So I could Charlene and have with the chainsaw. Lighty day, 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 lighty day.
1: Well, we do live in a in a free country, Peter. We you know, certainly do, and though, we're free to be free. That's right. That's right. Among those those things that are are that the uh, that the extreme Muslim. Uh, uh, governments or mm, policymakers are opposed to uh, it, a curious list. So, watching soccer games, we we went into that. Right. They can't watch and the can't World watch Cup, it. although that's what everybody right. wants to do. And they can't wear bras. They of course, also outlawed bras. Now, my question is, how can you know the sheriff of Al shabaab No, go around and say. You know, ma'am, you're wearing a bra. This
0: is completely, I mean. How would he know? Uh, that's it. How do you I mean, find a bra under a burqa? It's terribly intrusive. Okay. It, you know? That's okay. not the only body problems we're going to talk about. No. Are there more body oh, problems? There are. Yeah, fat I got Fat is a body problem. <gasps> Scientists say that being fat can be bad for the bedroom, especially if you're a woman. Mm-mm. Okay. European researchers found that obese women had more trouble finding a sexual partner than their normal weight counterparts. This isn't true for obese men though, okay? They they have no problem. Uh, Yet the fat women have a bigger problem with unplanned pregnancy, okay? But fat men have a higher rate of erectile well, dysfunction. Yeah,
2: so. Well, stop. the, the
0: uh, sociological
1: statistics, right? Sociological statistics. They, you know, 214 men interviewed separately, one on the pill, one off the pill, and one who didn't know his name. Right. You know? Well, you know, while we're in the body consciousness stuff, a whole page in the New York Times on men's body hair. Like, like there are countless Products to take hair off your back. Yeah, can you imagine? Are there
0: many products to put it back on? I no, see, no. no that, well, a, that's the law of thermodynamics. It doesn't work no, in both see, ways. The, here's the government laws. If you pass
1: a law against, you know, uh, against wearing a bra because it's sort of anti-Muslim, uh, if you think by, about by, by it, only, that by, way, some only by some people's description. There's yeah.
0: nothing official. Remember, there is no official Muslim church, so no one speaks for all Muslims. No, the problem it, is they speak for like. 3,000 of them.
1: Yeah, and, well, this is Al Shabab and his crew and his his group. How do they confront shaving men's backs? I mean, if you look at America, I'm talking, I'm, I'm trying to I'm be looking at America here. right now. Here, as we're you speak. looking at America from, from far from away, and what we see is a full page about how you can shave your back. This is not going to get us friends in the Middle East.
0: I guess we could call this one the Taliban's coming for dinner. Make sure we set out our best McChrystal. This is actually from um, Gareth Porter in the Asia Times. I do love the Asia Times. As I say, if you go up there, you'll read articles by Americans and other people that are really long and really complicated and interesting. Much too long and interesting for most newspapers. Anyway, General Stanley McChrystal is confronting the specter of a collapse of United States political support for the war in Afghanistan in coming months, comparable to the one that occurred in the Iraq War in late 2006. I remember when that happened, and it's true. And it's not just coming from the Republicans, it's coming from the Democrats also. In fact, most of the charge is being led by Democrats who are beginning to wonder, can we ever, in quote, win in Afghanistan? But Crystal's message that his strategy will weaken the Taliban in its heartland took its worst beating thus far when he admitted that the planned offensive in Kandahar City and surrounding districts is being delayed until September at the earliest because it does not have the support of the Kandahar population or its leadership. And somehow we're going to get that leadership and we're going to get that support between now and September or maybe August when we have to gear up. I seriously doubt it. The Kandahar operation, which McChrystal's staff has uh, uh, touted as uh, the pivotal campaign of the war, had previously been announced as beginning in June. Hey, it's June already! But it is now clear that McChrystal had understood for weeks that the most basic premise of the operation turned out to be false. Really? I wonder where he's getting his info. When you go to protect people, this is his quote, the people have to want you to protect them, said McChrystal. He didn't have to spell out the obvious implication. The people of Kandahar don't want the protection of foreign troops. We're screwed. They're screwed. Everybody's screwed. Let's go home. The Washington Post story on McChrystal's announcement reported US officials had complained that the support from Kandaharis that the United States was counting on Afghan President Hamid Karzai to deliver, he wanted he's gonna bring it along, had not materialized, i. e. it wasn't there i.e. it was never there. That explanation hardly makes McChrystal's war plan more credible. Well, I think that's probably true, because Karzai had made no secret of his preference for a negotiated settlement, rather than continued efforts to weaken the Taliban by occupying key Taliban strongholds. And now we find out, of course, that Karzai is making secret deals with the Taliban, because he doesn't want them to cut his head off when they occupy Kabul. When female U.S. Marines tried to get Afghan women to come to a meeting recently, uh, not a single woman showed up. And despite a NATO offer to hire as many as 10,000 residents for labor projects on irrigation projects, only 1,200 have signed up. And some of them have been beaten and killed subsequently by those beasts, the Taliban. Taliban means something like people of the book, students of the book. Well, they ought to go back and take a look at that book again. The U.S. officials in Marja are trying to convince local residents, in effect, that they should trust the foreign troops to protect them from the Taliban. But the Taliban are still able to threaten to punish those who collaborate with occupation forces. A dozen people, at least in that area, have been killed thus far for collaborating representatives of rural development education projects came to Marja initially and then retreated to the province's center. They appear to be convinced, as indeed is the general population, the Taliban will continue to be a powerful presence in the region. Yes, yes, yes. That was not supposed to happen when U.S. NATO forces declared victory in Marja three months ago. To ensure that no Taliban would be able to operate in the area, McChrystal had deployed nearly 15,000 U.S., British, and Afghan troops to control Marjah's population. Well, the news media told us there were 80,000 people in Marja, but it turns out that there's only 35,000, and they're spread out over 120 square kilometers. That means that the 15,000 NATO and Afghan troops provide a ratio of one occupying soldier for every two members of the population counterinsurgency doctrine normally calls for one soldier for every 50 people in the targeted area. Hmm. One out of every three people in Marja is a soldier and is a crusader, doesn't wear a turban, doesn't smell like the people, doesn't eat what they eat, can't speak their language, and wishes he or she were somewhere else. Now there, now, there is a strategy for victory. They call him the Teflon Cardinal in Los Angeles because their cardinal, Roger Mahoney, who built Our Lady of Self Storage down there, the, the huge new cathedral. I don't know if you've seen the new Across cathedral. Across the Los- street from the Mickey Mouse uh, uh, Stadium, right, think uh, concert hall. Yes, absolutely, yeah. the Mickey Mouse concert hall, which may be the most beautiful building i have seen in ever so long by my taste certainly it certainly beats our lady of self storage cardinal mahoney soon to retire you know and they've already got his crypt below i've been in the crypt section of uh, the church of los angeles there is already a mahoney crypt waiting for him. i think with what's going down he might just want to get in there sooner rather than later. So he can continue to roll. <laughs> roll. He has now joined his mea culpa to the mounting stack of apologies from the Pope on the failure to protect children and teens from known sexual abusers in the priesthood. His comments came in response to a release of a deposition he gave this February. See, that's been his downfall is that people actually ask him questions where he has to tell the truth. Uh, in which, um, brought by some of the 23 victims of the defrocked priest, Michael Baker, Baker's now in prison serving a 10 year term for molesting two children in the deposition. Mahoney says Baker told him the boys were not from the parish and had returned to Mexico. Mahoney said he didn't call the police, didn't ask his staff to search for the boys, and didn't alert parishioners to the abuse because no victims came forward. So if somebody's been been shot, been killed, right, but because the dead man doesn't come forward to complain, why should you talk about the guy with a smoking gun in his hand or whatever is smoking in his hand? Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm trying to... Oh, yeah, does he go on? Yeah, so... Oh, okay. oh yes. Mahoney said he believed Baker would uh, not re-offend because he had confessed on his own and seemed sincere about seeking treatment. That means one of two things. He is completely naive that Roger Mahoney has no idea about anything that's got to do with the body, the id, if such a thing exists, or he's just playing lying. I don't know. I, I think it's... You know, these people live such... Uh,
1: such strange and isolated lives and yet they dictate on
0: uh, uh, for everybody else. I mean, how can they know? How can they know? Okay, now we've been we've been talking the last couple days about how Republicans apologize without apologizing or people apologize yes. without apologizing. Well, Mahoney's put a whole nother, you know, book on the shelf, okay? He says, the challenge is trying to look at 1986 through the lenses of 2010, because we have developed over the years all kinds of policies and procedures where we were very much aware of it, of what needs to be done, how it's done, how quickly it's done. He said in the deposition, oh, my God, it's impossible to talk about 1986 without understanding all that has gone on since. And look back, I just can't do that. (laughs) Hey, Cardinal, what about 1956? Hey, hey, Cardinal, (laughs) Cardinal, what about that divide between heaven and hell? Carumba!
1: If I drove this car in my country, I'd be kidnapped. Carumba! I want a car that smells like me. I'm not a simple man. I do not need a simple car.
2: Carumba! I
1: love to drink in the lush, wine-filled interior like the way the doors lock. I will be buried in this car.
0: Carumba!
1: I love this car. I hate this music.
0: From General Motors, the people who gave you the luxury car and recalled it. How much oil can an oil gusher gush as an oil gusher gushes all that oil? Well, the gray lady says a government panel has released yet another estimate of the amount of oil flowing from BP's damaged well, declaring that as much as 60,000 barrels a day could be spewing into the Gulf of Mexico. That's roughly 2.5 million gallons of oil a day, and it means an amount equal to the Exxon Valdez spill could be gushing from the well about every four days. Well, this is really an upset. Remember, we talked about having the Exxon Valdez holiday every 6.4 days, because that's how long they thought it would take to get this going. Now it's every four days we can have the Exxon Valdez holiday and take a day off and consume no oil. This is bad stuff, but how about this little factoid? All of the oil that has gushed into the Gulf of Mexico put together would keep America running for four hours. The flow was already categorized as the largest offshore spill, certainly uh in the nation's history, but the new figures sharply increased previous estimates. Scientists uh, had estimated that the flow rate ranged from 35,000 to 60,000 barrels a day. That's quite a spread. Up from the rate they issued only last week, which is 25,000 to 30,000. What was it that made them double their estimates? Did they go off their meds or did they go on their meds? It continues a pattern in which every new estimate of the flow rate has been dramatically higher than the one before. Well, with BP capturing roughly 15,000 barrels a day, that's what they say they're capturing. Of course, that's before Kevin Costner and his brother, the Mighty Mice, come to their rescue. The new estimates suggest that as much as 45,000 barrels a day is escaping into the Gulf. The latest estimate reflects a possible increase in the flow rate that occurred after BP cut an underwater pipe called a riser on June 3rd to install a new device to capture part of the oil. We're going to let more oil out so we can get more oil later on. Well, what are you going to do? It's based on new information, including high-resolution video made after the riser cut and on pressure readings taken by a device that was... Um, inserted this week into the equipment at the seafloor, Energy Secretary Stephen Chu. He's a Nobel Prize winning scientist, but obviously not a Nobel Prize winning oil stopper or oil team putter together, right? He had that. Homophobe is one of the f- gang of five he sent down there to solve things, and we haven't heard about them hydrogen bomb scientists since, have we? Well, he would—he Stephen Chu was personally involved in using those pressure readings to help make the latest calculation. What they brought the readings in? Did they bring the equipment in? Did they just turn on CNN and let him watch it gush? And he could just, with his Nobel laureate mind, kind of guess, kind of the—it's the Chu factor. Chew on this, America. This estimate brings together several scientific methodologies. And the latest information from the seafloor and represents a significant step forward in our effort to put a number on the oil that is escaping from BP's well, Chu said in a statement. Once he gets a number on it, he can go back to sleep. As we continue to collect additional data and refine these estimates, it's important to realize that the numbers can change. Can we also change the secretary of the energy of energy? Well there's a change. There's a stat we could look for. The numbers came on a day when BP's ill fated relief efforts. Uh, ill-fated, I love that. Ill-fated relief efforts to stop the damage well hit yet another snag, underscoring once again the fragility of the containment effort. Lightning struck the vessel that had been collecting the oil from the well. Now, if I'm a fundamental Christian, I'm going to see that as finger of God. I mean, maybe not the same figure that blew up that, that statue of Christ in Ohio, but basically this is a judgment and it suspended operations for nearly five hours. Ooh, boy, sorry to hear about that. BP said in a statement that the fire, which started after lightning struck the derrick, the familiar-looking tower used to, uh, you know, to lift uh, all that piping, uh, was quickly extinguished and there were no injuries, but as a precaution, the containment operation was set, shut down for another five hours and on and on, and it's gushing as I speak. Well, as above, so below, Dave. You know, it begins, it must end. So for this edition of Radio Frias, and we're going to put some tang on the bottom. Here's a little tang.
1: This has a lot of tang to it. This is Lee Ho, who's one of the most famous of these tang poets. I guess one of the most prolific. And this is a kind of picture that we haven't had before in a poem. This is a beautiful girl Mm. combing her hair. Wow. Awake at dawn. She's dreaming by the cool silk curtains. Fragrance of spilling hair, half sandalwood, half aloes. Windless creaking at the well, singing jade. The lotus blossom wakes, refreshed, her mirror two phoenixes, a pool of autumn light. Standing on the ivory bed, loosening her hair, watching the mirror, One long coil, aromatic silk, a cloud down to the floor. Drop the jade comb, no sound. Delicate fingers pushing the coils into place, color of raven feathers. Shining blue-black stuff, the jeweled comb will hardly hold it. Spring wind makes me restless. Her slovenly beauty upsets me. Eighteen, and her hair's so thick she wears herself out fixing it. She's finished now. The whole arrangement in place.
0: I think I dated her once. I think it was a thousand years ago. It certainly felt like it. Hey, Radio Free Oz on RadioFreeOz.com. The Oz Team, you listen to Peter Bergman, your host, and David Ozman, co-host. John Cummings keeps the ones and zeros coming. Phil Fountain makes it pretty. Tom Gedwell keeps us on the web. Chaz Glass, he gives us the numbers. Maloney, he records the sound. McIntyre produces the whole schmageggy. And Scott Wild tells us all about what's happening out there in the wonderful world of social media. We're with you again tomorrow, and you can take that to the bank.